Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Someone says football is boring. Show them the Royal Melbourne City match from this weekend. Is the two sides combined for another highly entertaining contest? Welcome to the Charlie Miller episode 10 of the Brisbane Football Review. And just like the Scottish Playmaker, this episode is supersized. I'm James Coglin here in the hosting position again, and staring eagerly at me, ready to start talking, are Scott Owen and Adam Pace, here to provide logical, mature, and well-thought-out opinions on the show, because I can't. It was an eventful weekend in Brisbane once again, so how do we all enjoy it? Adam? Yeah, it's uh, interesting. A couple of trips up to Redcliffe to see the uh, youth and the uh, women. That's uh, all known. Very interesting week in football. Yeah, well, it's not exactly a far trip for you, Scott. <laughs> logical, mature, and well thought arguments you're after, are you? Let's well, look to Adam for those. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Scott? Yeah, I'm not bad, James. How are you? Good. Now, as we said, it's a jam-packed show, so let's get right on to segment one with the A-League review. I don't know what it is about the roar in Melbourne City, but they've produced some highly compelling games the last few times they've met, and Saturday night was another must-watch fixture. It was very heated, had moments of quality, frustration, genius and stupidity, but in the end, Jamie McLaren's first half goal was counted off by Nicholas Colazzo's equaliser just before the hour mark. That makes four 1-1 draws in a row as they finish the first third of the A-League season in fourth place. Normally we'd start off by getting our general thoughts on the game, but I think we could copy and paste snippets from the last few episodes. So let's get right to the 20 minutes where it all kicked off, starting with the Melbourne City equaliser. Jade North went at it with Bruno Fornaroli and took a blatant dive. And the hole where he actually should have been, City ran straight through and scored the equaliser. So, on a scale of calling your school teacher mum and dad to giving your bank details to one of those Nigerian Prince email scams, just how stupid was Jade North? Yeah, it was near the extreme end of that, wasn't it? <laughs> Oh, I mean, there was a, probably a tiny little bit of contact there, but if you watch it, there's a bit of contact, then there's a second or so delay, and then he's gone down. That wouldn't knock over a two-year-old, I know, though. but there was a tiny little bit of contact there. But I mean, I'm not going to defend Jade North either. That was absolutely horrendous. I think the word that encapsulates that is really disappointing. You know, he, he is a leader of this club, and you now, like a lot of fans, you know, it's actually a bit of split on that because a lot of people are screaming, what about Fornaroli and all that, and him lashing out. But at the end of the day, that doesn't excuse what he did, and... Just quite, quite frankly, you know, for those, for those that, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I know we were, you know, really blowing up about, you know, Neil Kilkenny doing that. Well, we've got to get the same treatment to um, Jade North on that, even if he's one of our own. Absolutely. And if you look at it, there's like a five or six second delay from when he's gone down to when the goal's gone in. So there's plenty of time for him to get up and fill that gap that you're referring to, James. I mean, that's incredibly disappointing from a senior player. You can kind of excuse that maybe from a younger player, but not an experienced professional like Jade North. And the worst part is, you're now getting all these stories going, oh, he's not that sort of player. It was, frankly, just a moment of madness from him. And honestly, I really hope after the game, he just got a whole lot of stick from his teammates because I guarantee if it was anybody else, they would have been doing the same thing. I'm glad he came out and apologised on Monday as well. Yeah, but and, you know, I'd say the form of retribution came in the best possible way, I suppose, where Melbourne City scored right where he should have been if he wasn't so busy trying to get Fornaroli at least carded or something. And he was trying to get him set off actually for striking. Right? Yeah, and honestly, like that's the one part. That's of even that's just almost as bad, worse than the, the simulation part he had. Ah, oh, it was just like take a, take away what Fornaroli does or 
did and his reputation for diving and whatnot. That was just absolutely pathetic from North and you know, he should be rightfully mocked for it. The whole the whole thing of trying to get your fellow professionals sent off and play acting. And, and, and like I said, we're not being mocked by our own, but we're also getting mocked by other sports journals and all that. You know, and, that and that's probably the most disappointing thing of all. You know, on a week that, you know, that, that we absolutely crucified some idiot comedian for banging on, that, that sort of look is what the game's not all about. And, we, and, and the sport itself is copying it. So I hope that you know, for any other player, I hope they really rethink about this whole, you know, trying to play to get a player sent off. Because, you know, it's not a good look for, for them personally. It's not a good, good look for the game. But also on a holistic issue, that, you know, it's just, you know, not, not good enough. And we, we're better than that as a sport. And like it or not, like, diving and simulation is something that is synonymous with football. And I hate it, even though it does go on in, you know, all the other football codes, see Jared Hayne. And like, I think they've seen yeah. AFL players suspended yeah. for it too. But the degree it goes on in football is something that, you know, I really just Look, hate. For, it's like simulation for, for a penalty, I guess. You know what? It's, it's you now that's sort of a, so it's, it's not a, a felony as such. But you know what? This sort of stuff is, it is, it's terrible. Yeah. And like I said, I know we're going to talk about it later about as far as, you know, what penalties or whatnot it should be for. But you know, this is just, it's just a bad look. This is a little bit different to... Exaggerating contact for penalties. Mm. Fabio Grosso in the World Cup. Oh, don't start me on that. <laughs> you, you are wearing your Socceroos jersey today, so that's actually just what made it spring to mind. So, okay, North, stupid, flopped. Any problems with Sean Evans letting them play? No. No. No, this one. Like it was said, right there. I mean, he saw that there was clearly not, 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 no danger to OJ North. No, nah, Sean Evans cops a lot of stick, and you know, rightfully so for you know, a couple of indiscretions early in the season. That one, I think. You know, what, what more do you expect to have a referee? You know, you can't reward that sort of behaviour. And to let it go on and for the goal to be scored, you know, as, as much as it hurts that, you know, it might be two points gone because of it, you know, you've got to at least say, you know, Sean Evans did the right thing in that play. Yeah, in the context of this game, he actually had a very good game as well because he had that incident and he had Aloisi and Van Schip going at each other all day as well. So, I mean, he did a very good job to control that game, I thought. Well, in the post-match, Aloisi actually said he thought he had a really good game even though... I think the exact quote was something like, I've criticised him in the past, but I thought the referee handled things phenomenally, all things considered. And, yeah, he did. Like, you know, and the only things you could disagree with were the judgment calls on, you know, maybe he should have carted a couple of players first up, but that is totally subjective. One thing he might have missed was the penalty on Thomas Broich. Well, yeah, 15 yes. minutes to play. Yeah, well, that's it. Well, let's get on to that right now. Thomas Broich clearly taken down by Mikhail Jakobsen. Thought maybe... I thought maybe he tried to play an advantage because the ball did fall to a, one of the raw players who I think tried to get it's a shot. in the box, though. I know, but I have actually seen that called, I'm pretty sure. Well, there were 3,000 about 15 seconds there from Melbourne City. In the All in the box? I'm... No, one with the two were outside the box. And I don't know they were getting a free kick out of it, but I thought he missed that call. Yeah, he did. I think, you know, if it happened at the other end, we'd probably be saying, oh, just play on, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's, that's probably the one gripe Brisbane can have but again considering he didn't book North for simulation I suppose it all balances out alright so pretty much back and forth there was a lot between John Aloisi and John Van Schip funnily enough over the Melbourne before or during the game here James well I was going to start off with before and sort of work (laughs) its way over because it did really carry over. What did you make of seeing the two coaches going at it on the sideline? I think there's, got, there's some personal animosity there. It sort of stems back to the hard days. I, I'm not sure if uh, John Wissy still, after you know, all these years, carrying a grudge because it was John Van Schip that was the one who replaced him after he got fired by, uh, by the heart, which you know, I don't think it was such a bad thing for him. But there's, there's, there's something more than just your sort of weekly sort of you know, hyped-up banter sort of 
style. There, there's a lot of personal, and and I don't think unless I missed it, um, I don't think I saw them shake hands after the game either, which means that there is a real animosity there, and that that could spill over still. They did actually shake hands, but it was about I don't know five ten minutes after ki- after the full time whistle, where they were both sort of walking around, and eventually I think Van Skip sought Aloisi out. The one thing I would say about that animosity about Aloisi being replaced was. I, I do wonder if Aloisi kind of feels like he was thrown in the deep end unfairly because what well, he retired and was basically made yeah, the first... Yeah, one year in the National Youth League coaching. And then he was thrown straight into the deep end. And I'm wondering if he thinks that maybe, Alo- maybe Aloisi might think that if he was the one that was coaching Melbourne City right now, they'd be doing even better. Maybe. And I, I was going to say, ironically as well, it was John Aloisi got thrown in the deep end because John Van Schip left. Yeah. There's, only been two, there's only been two coaches for, um, for City, and that's John Van Schip and John Aloisi. And we should also say some of the behaviours, I think Tim Cahill said something and Ross Aloisi said something and Dean Did, Buzanis uh, ran over to the bench. Uh, I mean, I think... Yeah, that's something you'd expect to see in a local park league when half the players are hungover. Well, Although maybe some of them couldn't yell if they were really hungover. Yeah, no, a few of them, I think, uh, be thinking better about their behaviour, I think. But I'll tell you what, just watching it on the TV, that 20 minutes, that was just phenomenal entertainment. Like, I don't know if it was the best football you saw, but just the theatre of it, the crowd getting right into it, that, I suppose, is probably the best way to showcase the worst of football, almost. Well, it had everything that game, didn't it, really? Yeah. All right, so, well, speaking of everything that that game had, we'll focus on the rest of it now. Thomas Broich, for me, he was the best on the pitch, and I was a little surprised to see him stay on for 90 minutes, but I'm glad he did. He was phenomenal. Yeah, I thought it was good to have him out there for 90 minutes. He's growing into the season nicely here, I think. I think I mean, he's started off a bit slow, because he's got the competition for his spot now. It's not, He's not a regular every week. I think it's taken him a few weeks to get used to being in and out the side, but on Saturday night, he was very good. I think uh, yeah, Thomas Broich, I think he's proving that you know, still at his age, he's He's worth you know, every every cent he's uh, with for the club. So it's it's yeah, I'm I'm surprised he's lasted ninety. Maybe injuries did prevent made sure that he stayed out there. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, there's not more you can ask from at the moment. I think the absence of Holman helped him as well. He was the prime creative link there as well, as opposed to having the two of them there. And look, maybe he can't do that sort of performance week in week out. But it was good to see him do it when he did. Absolutely. But um. I actually was making a joke early in the game with the way he was running around defending from the front. I was thinking he must have been told he's only playing an hour or something because there's like we've seen him get tired at the end of games, and I was wondering if he'd been told, "Oh, you got 60 minutes, just run your guts out and hope for the best." But there was actually more injury drama as well, so it looked like Manuel Arana was going to come on possibly for Broich towards the end, but then a couple of injuries meant they had to change things around. Yeah, Hingert went off. I'm not sure what it was. I cramps, think. Yeah, cramps or something, and then um. Christensen came off. I think that was more of just a precautionary thing. But yeah. Now, um, Michael Theo, first half, he was unbelievable. More big saves, and yeah, what more can uh, you say about I, it? I, like I said, I think we just, we, as we said, said last week, couple of weeks, the whole number one goalkeeper issue. That if there's anyone out there still doubting it, uh, it's over. I think Surely uh, there's no one doubting it now. The, I think Theo's number one, unless excluding injury, and not just by number on the shirt either. <laughs> yeah. oh, Steal your joke from last <laughs> week. <laughs> Beat me to it. So the Raw got a goal in the first half. Jamie McLaren, again. It was nice to see him bury one of his chances. He missed an easy one. So do you think maybe it balances out a little bit? Well, he had about seven chances, didn't he? Yeah. And the goal he got probably wasn't, was more luck than, I suppose, execution, where the ball bounced to him from a miscontrol by one of the City players. Yeah, possibly. But I do, I do think with McLaren, there's a lot on his mind, obviously. We'll probably get into it later on. Oh, yeah. So for the fact that he's made a score in back-to-back games while all this is going on, it's a good sign for him as well. It's, it's funny that he actually probably took the um, the difficult chance, and that, like I said, even though it was a you know, mistake by Manny Musket, um, 
basically, he still had to do a bit, you know, it was a bit of reflex action actually, you know, shoot first time, but I think he actually took the difficult one and probably squandered the easy one, so... It's, it's, Could be a mental yeah. thing. Maybe. Mm. Alright, so, Dimi Petrados, he got the start in place of the injured Brett Holman, and I thought he did alright. Like, he actually gave the Raw a bit more running than what we've seen from Holman, maybe not as... I suppose honed to ball control or passing, but I thought he was really good. Well, he's got more movement about him, Holm, Petrados. But I do, he's coming back from an injury as well, so you've got to give him some time. Is his first start of the A League season? I believe second. so. Yeah. So you've got to give him some time. I thought he was he was solid. Yes. And look, the more players doing well, the better it is yeah. for the Raw. Yeah. No, like I said, I, it's a case of you know we're we're in a good spot as far as you know it's unfortunate Holman's injury. Um, but I think, you know, there, there's plenty of cover in it as well. And like I said, you know, a guy like Timmy Petralis, you can only expect better going forward, you know. So I, th- I don't think, I think the draws, you know, as far as, you know, is one issue. But I think from a performance issue, it's actually not so bad. And I suppose as a fan of the draw, it is frustrating to see four 1-1 draws in the game, mostly because mm-hmm. I didn't decide to throw a couple of bucks on it. <laughs> but uh, it was just really... I, I don't want to say it was tough to watch, but it is getting a little bit... It's tough to take given yeah. the way that... The equaliser happened. And the way they've been playing as well, it seems like they're trying to play a little bit more defensively, so you could understand if maybe they were just having a bad run of form, but I don't know. There's been a lot of changes, hasn't there? Less possession, less chances, shots, goals. And maybe that is something Aloisi's just trying to work on. But it is better defensively, so it's kind of a bit of a trade-off that Aloisi's going for here, I think. Yeah. Now, Tommy Orr, he's the one player who's a big point of discussion right now. He is struggling. Would you gamble on maybe benching him for the next couple of weeks and bringing him in as a super sub? There's a few injuries at the moment with Holman and... Mate, Borello is back, though, so you have the opportunity to do that. Mate, Borello, Petrados and Broich maybe for a front behind McLaren on Sunday might work better and give Tommy or a chance to freshen up. So I do, I do think he's been less than his best for the first third of the season so far. Yeah, I, pro- I probably would if, if we had everyone on deck. Um, I probably would. It's, it's a tough one, I think. Yeah, he, you, don't, you don't want to bench him because he's not exactly playing that badly, but he's just not doing what we expect him to do so it's it's a really tough call at the moment on on Tommy Orr and you just got to hope that you know one of these are going to fall for him he's going to score one of these you know long range bombs and all of a sudden confidence sucks I think it's a confidence issue one position where we've got an absolute ton of depth as well yeah so it is one of those things where maybe you could bring him in but I don't know he's getting upgraded to a marquee status if he's still around next season so it will be interesting to see now Two last points before we uh, wrap up segment one. Amy Park added to its animal infantry with a lot of flies and insects to go with the seagull army. Did you notice that? Oh, there's always seagulls at Amy Park. They live there, don't they? I, mean, oh, I think goodness. they should be renaming it the uh, Melbourne Zoo the way Amy Park They multiplied during the game as well. I don't understand it. It was cl- almost clear at kickoff and like 80th minutes, fools. I don't get I think, it. I think the seagull hawk I think clocks off at 8 o'clock or something. Oh, it must have. Because they did have a horn or something. They were talking about it during the FFA Cup yeah. final. It's saying, obviously not working, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, well. Anyway, so... I think what we've seen, when I mentioned this in the introduction, this is a really good rivalry. The last few games between these teams have been really heated, really tense. Do you think it might be the most passionate non-derby fixture in the A-League right now? Depends what you count as derby. I mean, is Adelaide Melbourne victory a derby? No. Because all that's the most passionate then. But okay. I mean, for the, for the Raw, it's building. I mean, Melbourne City and Sydney, Melbourne victory and Sydney FC are the traditional big rivalries on, now that Gold Coast is gone. But Melbourne City's building quite nicely. I think the coaches element is really adding to it as well. It's all the history. all the pre-match spice and, and histrionics the, coming from both sides every time they play. And the fact there's about half the Raw's former team in there as well. And the other half are in the other half of Melbourne, aren't they? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Alright, so that's going to do it for segment one. I think we've done a very good job getting this in in around 15 minutes. So we're going to cut our losses, I think, and get back with segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. 
Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Let's get going with segment two of the Brisbane Football Review for the Outside 90 Fan Network. We're here in the Switch 1197 studios. In this one, we're going to go through the Youth League, W League, plus discuss some of the news stories from around Australia. So we're going to start off with the other A-League results. Melbourne victory 1-1 against Perth on Friday night. Wanderers belted the Central Coast Mariners 4-1. And then Sunday doubleheader, Sydney FC got up 2-0 over Newcastle and Adelaide beat Wellington 2-0. Now, normally we'd... Spent probably about five minutes laughing at Jared Tyson's red card. <laughs> but we're going to power straight through this because we've got so much to talk about. So we'll start, get started with the National Youth League. Somebody clearly did not want this fixture to go ahead because the game was initially pushed back to a five o'clock kickoff on Saturday before another storm enforced delay meant this game will be made up at some point. Things were looking promising for the Raw's youth side as they were up 2-0 over Melbourne City before the storms hit the peninsula just before the halftime break. In accordance with FIFA rules, the game will have to be replayed in its entirety, meaning what they showed on Saturday afternoon counted for naught. Scott, you were there. Tell us about your afternoon. Yeah, well, that someone was the Melbourne City bench who were in the year of the fourth official as halftime was approaching because they knew the rules, I think, and they got the referee to stop it. So it is what it is. But it was actually a really good game, the first 40 minutes. Well, for the Raw, it was anyway, because they absolutely dominated that game. It was almost one-way traffic. I mean... Nicholas Diagosemi's brace was really good, and so was Nicholas Panetta as well. So there's some really good encouraging signs for the young world here, and this was a game we said they had to win. They were on the course to win it, and unfortunately they couldn't hold on for another five minutes to get to half-time. Yeah, so, so it was just we'll short. Probably get this game replayed at some point, depending on whether or not the fixtures require it to. Yeah. Well, so you were saying you kind of thought the game could have reached half-time in the debate it took to actually well, they, call it off? It was like the 37th minute, I think, because Adam was there as well. About the 37th minute, I think it was, they had a brief conversation, the referee and the fourth official. And from then, the, I noticed the Melbourne City coach was talking a lot. And at about the 40th minute, they had another big conversation, about a minute or so, which, and they called it at that point. I'm actually just curious. Was It ev- was just starting to spit rain at that point. So it was closing in, but... You could have got it in, I think. Did everybody on the sideline have their phones on them just checking the yes. bureau radar? Yep. It's happened pre-game as well. <laughs> us, us included, mind you. I've actually had that at work a few times because I coach kids football and we've actually seen storms coming in and like the parents will all be checking their phones going, ah, is there hail in this? Because we've got to get our cars undercover. <laughs> well, we were up on the balcony and you could, you could hear the youth league players who weren't playing they were just, uh, just over the way and they knew what was happening as well. They could sense it was likely to get Melbourne City were going to try and fair play to them they got the game postponed and yeah they got the result they wanted because I sent you guys a video because it hit where I was uh, in Cooparoo before yeah. got to you and what was your reaction when you saw that video oh that was a we were trying to watch the game slash trying to take it to the <laughs> sky and it was it was hard to pay attention actually because you had that you had we we're looking for A-League team news as well when it was coming out and a lot was happening in a very short space of time. Let's put it that way. Same to say it was yeah, painful. It was. I said, and uh, it's interesting that you know it's a summer storm when you know, you need the full floodlights at you know at Batesgate five thirty in the yeah. afternoon summer. So it was that dark. So we posted a couple of photos on our social media. They don't do justice how dark it really was. I mean, it was mm. it was almost pitch black with apart from the lights. Yeah. All right. So that's about enough time on the forty odd minutes you got of football on Saturday. The other results in Conference A: Adelaide three one over Perth. 
Conference B, Newcastle went down to Sydney 2-0, so pretty much the exact same results as the uh, A-League side. And then the FFA Centre of Excellent were not so excellent against the Wanderers, going down 8-0. Don't pick on 16-year-olds. Yeah. No, and I no think they're a, in serious, they are a younger side for FFA Centre of Excellent. I think it, from what I saw as well, Wanderers did play a very sort of experienced side and such. A few overage players and that, so 8-0 yeah, scorelines. Who did? Lustig got a hat yeah. trick. Oh, good to see that. All right, so on to the W League, Sunday afternoon. Thankfully, there were no interruptions. Well, I suppose not thankfully, but Brisbane hosted the defending champions, Melbourne City, at Redcliffe, and things were much drier. Katrina Gorey gave the hosts a great chance of springing the upset by opening the scoring with barely two minutes on the clock. Almost immediately after, Jess Fishlock responded with a goal for City, and at the midpoint of the first half, channeled her inner Dennis Bergkamp, I thought. I say this wearing a uh, Arsenal jersey. And then Erica Timrak gave the visitors a lead they would not relinquish. Adam, you were doing updates from the game. How would you sum it up? Look, it was, um, you know, it was a really uh, high-quality game. So, like, the first couple of minutes was just absolutely frenetic. You know, the, the uh, gory goal, which I must say that that, that that was pretty much the second play of the game because uh, Lydia Williams was actually uh, complaining about the air, air in the balls and just, just before that goal. So I don't know what happened there for our Matildas number one. but uh, Uruguay-style, Adam. Yeah. 2005. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a bit of a blunder. But, look, uh, Jess Fishlock's goal was, you know, that was, you know, Almost goal of the week across, you know, men, youth, and youth. That was just brilliant, you know, seeing it live. So, I look, Melbourne City, they, they are just something else, you know. And, you know, I had hope, high hopes, you know, maybe Raw could push them, and they did. But, look, this Melbourne City team is going to be very, very hard to topple again. So, she was channeling her into, into Indianapolis Colts for any NFL fans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so other results from the W League. Adelaide and Canberra played a 2-2 draw. Newcastle went down to Sydney 1-2. And then Perth beat the Melbourne Victory 2-0. So we're going to move on to the news segment now, and I want to lead off with uh, former managing director Daniel Cobb. Uh-oh. He's asked a judge not to record a conviction at sentencing in January, so he can still be part of a group that's looking to buy the Raw. Uh, guys, i, I got to let you take this. Yeah, we better be careful, because we haven't seen the case. But I think it's something about not disclosing information to somebody, isn't it? Yeah, it's some, he, he says he didn't do anything wrong, it was communication issues. Exactly. If we'll focus on the raw perspective, I think, and leave the court side. Yeah. So, from the raw perspective, I mean, the guy was highly contentious when he was here. I mean, public spats with Aloisi almost as soon as he got here. And I don't think too many people were very disappointed when he left. So, if he thinks he's going to be able to buy the raw, assuming he gets what he's looking for, and then he's going to be able to engender confidence in him, I just think it's highly, highly ambitious. And I don't, it, I don't think it's going to happen, to be honest. From, what, from what's going around some media reports as well, that even the backeries said that if he's anywhere near, you know, named in that consortium, they're just not going to sell. And that's, look, let's just hope and pray that, you know, that is the case because, look, you know, the trial destruction, you know, so he left in the three months that he was here. There is no way that this club could function, you know, with any confidence with the fans, you know, even in by sounds of even the, the staff that's on the books at the moment. If, if he was involved in the consortium, no matter how badly we think of the backeries at the moment, him and, you know, sort of a consortium would probably be the worst thing. So, look, let's not prejudge what happens in that case, that court case South Australia, but let's just hope that, you know, whatever happens down there, it means that he just can't get anywhere near, near the raw. I just find it funny he's basically got to go to the judge and say, please let me still do business. Mm. <laughs> All right, so Robbie Keane, we touched on this story last week. John Aloisi is now saying that the club won't be pursuing him. Do you think it's a good decision? I do. I don't think it's very surprising either. I mean, you've seen other clubs in the A-League linked heavily to him. I mean, it makes sense that the Raw are not. Clubs that might be able to afford him. Well, yeah, that's it. Adam? Yeah, no, I think that one in the cricket sort of uh, proverb was put one through to the keeper, I think. 
Well, the striker that is currently on the rules first team books, Jamie McLaren, won the Harry Kewell medal for the best under-23 player at the PFA Awards. I believe it was last night. Yeah, last night down in Melbourne, the awards were handed out. I think Aaron Moy won the Men's Player of the Year and Lydia Williams was the Women's Player of the Year. So congratulations to all three. And Harry Kewell won the Alex Tobin medal, which is really confusing for me when I'm reading the stories. And Not I see... the Fox Sports one, right? Yeah, Harry Kewell won the Alex... Or was it Alex Tobin or am I yeah, getting... Oh, it's yeah, the Alex, Alex Tobin. Tobin. Okay, good. So Harry Kewell won the Alex Tobin medal and someone else won the Harry Kewell medal. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, if Harry Kewell names his son Harry, then you can have a Harry Kewell winning the Harry Kewell medal when he's <laughs> an under-23 footballer. I could live with another Harry Kewell representing the Socceroos. I could live with that. Mm, well, I think for another week, there's probably a lot to talk about with his coaching career yeah. as well. There so could be, yes. Another good player coming out of that... Uh, another good coach coming out of that golden generation. Now, there's been a bit of talk about the Raw's training pitches. Aloisi said something in the post-game which really jumped out at me about poor quality training pitches for the past four weeks. And then there was a Logan update in one of the Brisbane Raw Facebook groups. Yeah, so John Aloisi was talking about Ballymore because at the moment it was pre-arranged in the deal the Raw did with Ballymore that they were going to update the Raw's training field out the back. So they've been training inside for the last few weeks. On the rugby union field. Yeah, and Aloisi is not happy with the quality of it. I believe they're back on their normal field now. But it is, but it, it, isn't it like a different length of grass or something? I'm for rugby? not sure. Yeah. I, I, There's some, I know the field that's out the back is, that is really good and they like it. But at Logan, I believe it was Mark Kingsman in one of the Brisbane Raw Facebook groups. I can't remember the name, but it might be the Brisbane Raw Supporters Club. I apologise if I'm butchering the group's name. But Mark Kingsman was in the comments about Logan saying it's happening. They're working on the training, the, the fields now. And the training and administration stuff's being starting early in 2017. Well, so it sounds like there's an end date for this thing that might be next this time next year they might be in their own facility. But well, it sounds at least it's good news because there were sort of media reports of that was a bit in jeopardy that local city council were saying that there was issues there. So the fact that Mark Kingsman's come out and said that you no, know, it's all systems go, it's only a good thing, I think. It so might actually, not be popular with people on the north side in terms yeah. of the location of it, but it'd be great for the world to have their own facility. They don't have to worry about other codes. Let's not be too picky about where. Absolutely. As a north sider and sort of, you know, a long way but, you know, at the end, if, if the Raw has, has their own base at, uh, at Logan, you know, good for them. It's been long overdue, so... Mm. All right, so another news story that came out, I believe it was yesterday, Matt Mackay has re-signed for one more year with the Raw. It's a non-marquee deal, which obviously he couldn't have signed another marquee deal with both slots filled. Do you think it's good to have him back? Absolutely, it's good. He's, he's a culture player, right? Every club needs him, need locker room personality. And Matt Mackay is like, when you think Brisbane Raw, he's almost the first name that comes to mind. And actually, I think it's a good sign for the A-League's growth, where a guy like Matt Mackay used to be one of the superstars, one of the better players, and now he's that second string guy that you still have to have on your team, but it's more as a leader rather than as the key player. Yeah, no, like he, Matt Mackay is synonymous with the Brisbane Raw. Like he's, he's gone away, done his time overseas, he's come back, you know, and it's good to see him commit to, um, to the club and probably it sounds like to, to the end of his career. And I think what he said as well was uh, very, very refreshing, saying that you know, it was an easy choice. And so this day and age of, you know, of drawn out contract negotiations, the fact that by the sounds of the negotiations are very quick and painless, is only 24 quick to hours. Him. Yeah. Yeah, so like, that's, that's really good. And I think it, he is getting older, as everyone does, but it's good to see him you know, still trying to stick around. And I wouldn't be surprised if he has another two or three one-year deals in place. And eventually when he gives out, he gives out. Yeah, it wouldn't be surprising at all. And also, I don't think we have to worry about losing him to Socceroos duty anymore. Nothing against Mackay as a player. I just think we've got some young players coming through. But so Mac Matt Mackay is one player that's going to be off the potential free agent list at the end of the year. The... Frenzy is about to begin. Uh, it's begun it on December the 1st, actually. So it has begun. So we've got Scott. Scott, you did up a huge list of 
available players. Who is one you, from another team you would want the Rook to be interested in? Yeah, so I've got a, basically a list of every time a club puts out a like a press release or something in the, on their social media about a player resigning, I take note of it. So there's a lot for the Raw as well. If you're looking at opposition players, you can go... I'll go nostalgic and let Adam go with the more realistic. So you can go Enrique's on, on a end of his contract this year. You could go and bring him back. I'm sure that people would absolutely love that. You could also go Lachlan Jackson. I mean, looking at rebuilding that defence. I mean, Jade North is getting older. You might want to... And he's a young player who's come through the Raw system, knows the way. And you could do like what Daniel Bowles did, go away for a couple of years, get some first-time experience and then come back. So there's a couple of... Options are there's a whole bunch. I mean, Fornaroli is one who's out of contract. You're not going to get him, but there's a whole bunch of them. If you are looking at shoring up the defence, there are two names that really jumped out as me. Jacopo LaRocca, who I just remember being immense in that grand final, Wanderers versus Brisbane. And then also uh, Milos Ninkovic from Sydney, who I think I've got a little bit of a man crush on. Yeah, getting, getting those sort of players from other A-League clubs could be difficult, though. It's hard to get foreign players from other clubs unless you're giving them marquee money, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just going through this list, and there, like I said, it's... Yeah, it's, you could have any number of sort of players that you know you could probably say that you know could fit you know in the future. Now I think I intimated a couple of weeks ago that you know what I think the for next season, a lot of these squads are going to be almost unrecognisable. That, that amount of players that are free agents end the year and assume that you know like even with fifty percent of them resign, there's still going to be a lot of good players on the market, which is only good for the A League, I reckon. And a quick plug, if you keep an eye on our social media in the next couple of days, I'll have a bit of a write-up on the potential free agency situation as well. That's right. So the raw players that are still off contract, so I've got Petrados, Devere, McLaren, not Mackay, Michael Theo, Thomas Broich, Jade North, Jacob Pepper, Joey Katabian, Nick D'Agostino, Thomas Christensen and Manuel Arana. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Arana and Christensen are just one-year stopgaps, yep. but I do hope they are able to keep hold of at least Devere, Theo and from a nostalgia point, Broich. I think the, the ones I'm looking at are Diestino, De Villar, Mac- McLaren, hopefully, and Petrados. I mean, they're players entering their prime years. I mean, you need to keep as many of them as possible. It's funny that, you know, we sort of say that, you know, Dimi Petrados, you know, I think a lot of people were ask, you know, hoping he'd leave after last time, so... He's but, won me over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's all you ask. You know, if, 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 if you know, we as fans are bagging players, you know, for our squad, we, we hope that, you know, encourage them. And Dimi Petrados, you know, he's... This year so far, I guess, has been injury rabbit. Last year, he was immense for us. So, you know, let's hope he's earned himself another deal. And that is one thing that I will say. I do bag a lot of players, but I know they're doing something that I would never have the skills or fitness or commitment to be able to do, or the attention span. Well, personally, so, I was a big... I was against Corey Brown for a long time, and I thought Stephanie was far better than him last year, and he's proven me wrong this year, because I was, I was hoping we were going to sign a more experienced left-back, because I didn't think he had this in him. But he's been fantastic so far. And we do try to have some fun with it as well. Absolutely, yeah. you do. All right, so that's going to do it for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back with our mailbag right after this. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. It's time for segment three of the Brisbane Football Review here at the Switch 1197 Studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. So much going on, we decided to let the listeners have a say in what they heard, so we're opening up the mailbag once again. This is where I would love to have a, you know, some sort of promotional sound effect, but we're not quite at that point yet. Our budget's not quite that strong yet, is it? <laughs> I know. Maybe we've got the plastic bag in the corner. Anyway, regular Facebook commenter Was Brown will lead off the mailbag as he sent in a few questions Sunday morning. The one that stood out for me was, what's going on with McLaren losing his killer touch? Quick look at the numbers suggests his going well, but if you've watched the games, I think there's something to this. You reckon we should be concerned about the number of missed chances McLaren's got? 
I do. I'm wondering if this is the whole saga of the last couple of weeks getting to him as well. Although it was before that as well, to the to Waz's point. So maybe it, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, you'd love to see him score more goals. He's had a great number of chances. So we, we we've touched on it a couple of times. I think uh, there might be an issue here with sort of technique and all that, and that a top striker should be able to use their head to score a goal. And I think. That's the one thing in the Arsenal that, that Jamie McLaren doesn't seem to have much at the moment. He just cannot score with his head. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think, and that must, that may even be playing on his mind at the moment, you know, thinking, working out on training or not. So at the moment, I think he has lost a bit, but you know what? For what he's, what he's putting out at the moment, I'd still have him. Well, he's re- still the Raw's yeah. top scorer for the season, too. That's it. We, we got a question on Twitter from Steve Burgess asking if a marquee striker should be able to head the ball or play the hold up target man. So overall, yeah, I think. McLaren did miss a fair few chances last year as well. He just probably made one more every two games or something than he, what he's doing right now. And look, four goals so far on the season isn't a bad return, but with the number of chances he's had, maybe we... It's four goals in eight for him too because he missed a game with the Socceroos squad. So. Well, seven and a half because he missed the first That's half of the Sydney game. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I think I wouldn't be surprised if the contract situation is sort of lingering over his head because... You know, if, if he's on six or seven goals right now, can you imagine the dollar signs his agent is going to be seeing? It has to be playing on your mind, wouldn't well, it? Well, that, that's the thing. And this is, this is where I think his, his manager, Paddy Dominguez, has really um, done disservice to Jamie McLaren because there was a quote, quote that he said that, you know, oh, that the Jamie McLaren is worth you know, the same amount of money as, you know, as the top strikers in the A-League. The difference between Jamie McLaren and such likes of Barisha, Fornaroli, Babo, Andy Keogh, is that those guys can use their head. And at the end of the day, and they can score when you know, they need to score. At the moment, if Jamie McLaren is of deserving of that money, he needs to be doing that. And he's not doing that for the Raw at the moment. And that's and you've got to remember, and it's not a shot Jamie McLaren. You know, he, is, he is as good as he is, 20 goals last season. But, you know, it's... Uh, what time up? <laughs> no, that was just a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> it took 10 episodes. Yeah. I finally remembered to put... Finally, forgot to put my phone on silent. Sorry, Adam. That was a fantastic rant. No, I thought I've been timed out or something. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no. Look, just back to my point. Now, simply put, you know, if he if he's going to be demanding the money that that you know of those top strikers, he needs to be able to score with his head. He needs to be able to you know score when you know nothing's going on, change the game. That's that's pure math. Like I said, he's only young, and we all forget that. But that's that's where I think his agent has really done him disservice. And tried to sort of build him up to, to be that. But looking at some of the things he's done, he does have the con- confidence that a striker really does need. I honestly think he sees himself as the next true number nine for the Socceroos for the next decade. And I love that confidence. It's, and it hasn't been shaken by the fact that he's missing a lot. He is still scoring. But, you know, maybe I'm wondering if that confidence is also translating into, uh, I just need to kind of protect myself a little bit for the next contract because... Mm-hmm. Dominguez, I believe, did say something about, you know, Europe or yeah, yeah. Asia. Possibly in January as well. I mean, Adam's point's right about the heading, but if he's looking at a move potentially in January, he would have to have that on your mind. So particularly if it's going overseas, that's a big move to make they, in a short space. It's all, it's all good for well. us to all be forgiving. So, oh, Jamie, Jamie McLaren says he's only young and all that. You know what? In, in Asia, in China, Japan, they are ruthless. And if, mar- if their visa player is not scoring... He'll be gone. He'll be gone. You know, the next possible moment. So well, to Melbourne. Tim Cahill suffered that too. I mean, he yep. got released from Shanghai for that yeah, very he's, reason. He's, he's our greatest score, soccer scorer. Yeah, like I said, you know, Hung Zhao Greentown just didn't even. Um, yeah, they didn't even renew his contract. So, like I said, that's what you're up against going overseas. So you know, that's that's what it is. 
Oh, Bottom line is, please stay, passion. Jamie. Yeah. Please stay. We need you. Yeah. yeah. At least through to the end of the year. Yeah. Then see what happens. All right. So going back to the Jade North incident, Raphael Berman asked if North should have received some sort of punishment for his theatrics. We've all had a say on the incident specifically, but on Monday the club sent out a statement on the matter. I did have it copied into the sheet, but I'm not going to bother reading it. In short, it goes, North knows he made a mistake, feels a bit silly. The team has given him some sort of internal reprimand. We're on to Adelaide. And I did see Marco Monteverde tweeted saying FFA is not taking any action because it, there wasn't a penalty or anything given in the incident. So they've just they've moved on from it as well. So it seems like he's not going to get any punishment for this. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of internal fine, even if it's just oh, for sure, paying for dinner stuff, on yeah. Saturday night or something. And look, and to be honest, I think, you know, as, and I know I said it earlier that, you know, it's a disgusting look and all that. But, you know, and logically speaking as well, a fine should be, if it's FFA or club imposed, that should be all. I, I don't think, you know, as much, as bad as it looked, he, he shouldn't be missing games for it. He should have been shown, you know, a red card on the day. You know, it's, it's, one, it's, a, it's a misdemeanor as far as, look, it's a terrible look, and I'm sure that the, the, the scorn from the football public in general should be punishment enough. But when we start to talk about, oh, two-match suspensions, like, that's just ridiculous. There is precedent, really is. though, Adam, because I think it was Patricio Perez from the Central Coast Mariners a few years ago got a ban, a two-week ban for simulation, although that was in the penalty area. Yeah, apparently the FFA laws say it's only if it leads to a penalty and or a red card. Yeah. Now, look, I actually am going to go exactly opposite to Adam here. I think you need some sort of anti-stupidity laws and that is the height of stupidity. So if a player does something ridiculous like that, I would rub them out for a couple of games. I've been saying that uh, Enrique should not have played in that Perth Grand Final because in the second leg of the major semi against the Mariners, he had a really pathetic dive. I don't even remember this dive, to be honest with you, but I'll side with Adam, so two votes to one against you. I think a fine is more than enough. <laughs> but I'm the host, so my vote counts for three. <laughs> I didn't agree with that in the conditions of the show. <laughs> it, it was in the fine print. All right, so we're going to move on. Uh, Belcher Stephen asked, how on earth did City get the, through for their goal? Because the Raw still had a numerical advantage. It was true. The whole Raw yeah. team just shut off. They just stopped moving, didn't they? Yep. The old saying played the whistle. They weren't, didn't play the whistle, so... And I think I saw one of the City players actually having a little shot at that, saying, well, we just played at the whistle. I don't know what you guys do. But, um, yeah, it was, it was frustrating. I think the only reason they could have stopped is because they saw Sean Evans walking over to North to check on him and just assume, oh, the whistle's going to go. But if they stopped it for every yeah. footballer holding his head, then the game would take about three hours, or the length of an AFL game. As I said in segment one as well, there were about six or seven seconds from the time that incident happened to when the goal went in. You don't need to stand there for that long and check if he's okay. Just play the game. It was actually quite surreal. Um, like to actually, as soon as that incident happened, you actually see, I can't remember who the C player was that was out in the wing. I actually stopped, looked for a couple of seconds, then thought, okay, no whistle, I'm playing on. And, and the raw, raw defenders just reacted slowly. I think it was Bratton. It might, it might have been, yeah. I, I, I didn't catch it, but yeah. All right, so uh, we're going to go to Woz for another question, who asks, what does our ideal guest marquee player look like? I would say it would be something like Cristiano Ronaldo, Leo Messi, <laughs> just without Ronaldo's ego. Yeah. So guest marquee is talking about not normal marquee. Yeah, so I think the full question said, you know, we've been interested but missed out on Diego Forlan and Robbie Keane. So something along those lines, who... What sort of player would you like? For me, it would be a striker. Because yeah. we've never had a player like this before. We've never had like a big name marquee player because Craig Moore would be the closest thing. And that was... Just... What about Bob Malcolm? Hey, he was big. <laughs> I don't know if he was a marquee. But... <laughs> no, but I, mean, I, I agree with you. A striker or an attacking-minded player is what you want to get people through the, through the gates. But I think if looking at the Royal squad, they've got 105 different attacking midfielders, so striker's probably for the best. It's... As for who, I mean... 
It's a it's a lottery, isn't it? I mean, you... maybe Trent Sainsbury because I think his Chinese club got relegated. He's not a striker though, is he? No, but I'm just thinking like if you want to get one of the top yeah. line soccerers who can play every week. It's it's a difficult one because I think you got to weigh up um, what is best for the club off the pitch versus what's what's best for the club on the pitch. You know, look, it's, it's like I said, you can probably at the end of the day cobble enough money to get a decent you know striker that's played in the Bundesliga or La Liga or one of the big leagues over there that could fit in and have some name recognition. Problem is, how does that fit with the actual side that we've got? And and I know we've, we've touched on it a few times. It's it's a really tough on what you know a striker. What a marquee player. I think, and I agree with you boys, that, you know, it's got to be a striker attacking player. You know, I, defenders just do not They don't get, get people through the gate, do they? I mean, did yeah, Perth tried Gallas, it just didn't work. Yeah, that's because Gallas was awful since he Says the Arsenal Tottenham. fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, look, that, that's the thing is, but it's got, they've also got to fit within the system. So that's a, that's a, it's a really tough question. To, and, you know, I think you've just got to play it, you know, case-by-case basis. You know, Robbie Keane would have been great. You know, if, if he was available, that obviously not going to happen. And with Marquise, Brisbane Raw kind of shattered the mould because Sydney FC went with like the big name Del Piero and they had to try and fit him in after signing the most of their players. And the Raw had Thomas Broich as a marquee. And Matt McKay, they were the two marquees when we last won the championship. And not, not big names, not going to get people through the gate, but they're going to help you win. And despite the commercial gain of Del Piero, you could Sydney argue... Sydney got one that, final out of that. Yeah, you yeah. could argue that Broich and Mackay actually brought more on the pitch yeah. to the Raw. All right, so I've got an explanation for that phone call that happened just before. Okay. So Ollie asks, what's going on with the Raw's Asian Champions League situation? Because we've had a bit more information coming out. Yeah, look, it's, it's uh, reports going out um, about who Brisbane Raw's... Uh, sort of play, they're actually even, even who their opponent's going to be. Like, it's still not clear. Uh, the draw happens on, mon- on Monday night. So AFC hasn't officially brought, brought out anything, but there's, all, there's speculation that about we've dropped into the preliminary round, as we've discussed last week. Um, Thank you, Socceroos. Yeah, yeah, basically. And trying to go ahead. So we're now playing... We need, it's now two games away from the group stage. But I think um, it all depends, I guess, on who we're playing. We're, at the moment, the, the latest speculation was that we're going to play the Burmese champion, yeah. sorry, Myanmar champions. Yeah, Yanabaron. Uh, yeah, Nabaron. And then, and then it was possibly Shanghai Shenhua. But it all, it all depends on how the group stage is actually probably um, is well, drawn out. We've seen a hundred, we've seen a bunch of different teams mentioned. We've seen yeah. Eastern, they mentioned, um, Tampine Rovers mentioned, Jeju United potentially for the second round. I mean... Well, that was one. I action. think we're not going to know until next Monday because every five minutes it seems to get a different op- different outcome. Just you, you mentioned in. you mentioned Tampine Rovers from Singapore, and that, that's something I saw on Twitter. That actually, I think even our good mate Vince Regari saw uh, on Twitter yesterday. And the, th- the problem, uh, unless something's changed in the regulation, I actually you know, I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to reading regulations. Really? And, <laughs> and the thing the thing is that is that Singapore and there's also Global who were the Filipino champions. That they are not even eligible to, they, they were brought up in the mix, but they're not even eligible to play in the Asian Champions League because they'll either fall outside the top uh, 12 in the East, in East Asia zone, or in the case of the Philippines, no team to license to actually play. Are in, you suggesting ASG is going against the regulations, are you? Well, that's, that's never that's, happened that's, before, that's, has it? Like, never. Well, that's, that's, I guess, you know, at the end of the day, we just got to wait till Monday, Monday's draw, see what actually happens. All right, now, Scott, we got a late question. Yes, I one understand. more question in your post from this morning it comes from Ashley Wynn. How do, you, how do you feel the pitch will react on Sunday and what do you think it'll be like? We're going to get to that in our match preview and we're going to come right back with segment four of the Brisbane Football Review. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review powered by Outside90.com.
And welcome to the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review for the Outside 90 Fan Network. We have just enough energy and focus to get through the next 10 or so minutes where we look ahead to the weekend's match. Brisbane returned to Suncorp Stadium after three weeks on the road to face the defending champions, Adelaide United, who are currently second from bottom on the A-League ladder. Or is it third from bottom? I think this is... It's something about goal difference, anyway. Adelaide got their first win of the season last weekend against Wellington and cost earning America's job. And they'll be hoping to make it two in a row and hopefully, you know, maybe a second coach in a row, not that we want Alalisi to go. All right, so, Scott, you've got some all-time stats for us. Okay, so they played each other 38 times, these two sides. 14 wins to Brisbane, 9 draws, 15 to Adelaide. And in Brisbane, it's very strong for Adelaide. They played, we've played 17, Adelaide's won 8, Brisbane's won 4 with 5 draws. So Adelaide's one of the sides we've struggled with up here. Now, we've got fan camps coming up after this game. Scott, yes. how can people get in contact with us? Okay, so fan camps is one of the ways on the Northern Plaza outside of Suncorp Stadium for about half an hour-ish after the game, right, James? Until my attention span runs out, yes. Yeah, which is about, oh, no, half an hour stretching it with you. <laughs> no, so you can get in contact with, with us at, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Brisbane Football Review, on Twitter at Raw Review. Our podcast is available on iTunes and... Yeah. And um, what is it? Um, Switch 1197, Audio and Boom. And Audio Boom as well, and radios on Switch 1197. And of course, if you want to send e- emails to us for questions, we're at brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. And also, uh, Switch 1197 is actually having a community barbecue fundraiser to keep the doors open and keep me talking. It's going to be at Bunnings Albion on the 11th of December, so the morning before the game. Come along, uh, buy a sausage or something, yeah. and 8.30 to 4pm, but I think I'll be there in the morning representing the show. So come and say hi, because... I'm really very lonely. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, thanks to everyone that sent in the big questions for the mailbag as well. Should have mentioned that in the last segment. Any concerns about the potential state of the pitch after the Coldplay concert? Will some of their fans still be napping after Chris Martin put them to sleep? Can they stay around and cover Raw for the intro song? They're not that bad, Coldplay. Come on. No, I like them. They're just a little bit boring for a live show. I do know that Mark Kings, when the Raw ND was there, and he was on Twitter last night, and the destruction of the stage was underway. So I dare say that... Credit to Kingsman. I love those photos he sent out. They were good, weren't they? The transition, though, is underway at Suncorp Stadium to get back to the best stadium in the A-League, which is exactly what it is. It has been for the first part of the season, so hopefully it goes to get back to that. If it doesn't, however, I think it'll be a real leveller. Yeah. If the pitch is bumpy or whatever, I think that's going to even it out. Because these two, Adelaide like to play football on the floor. Brisbane have slightly gone away from that, you could say. So well, they still have the even. players to do they that. They do, absolutely. Balance it out. Adam? Oh, look, um, yeah, it should be. It's, it'd be one of those interesting you know, where we seem to have a good record away from home and not so great against um, mm. at home, as you said, mentioned the all time stats. So, look, it's going to be a very even contest. And I reckon that, you know, if. If we're not staring down the barrel of another sort of draw, it may, it may sort of cancel each other out. But I think there's, there's plenty of you know, sort of you know, subplots this game. One of which is Enrique making his return to Suncorp Stadium. Now, the big thing for me... Please uh, don't boo him, people. Yeah, please. please. I honestly... I put this... If the crowd boo him, they should be kicked out of the stadium and maybe kicked in the head a little bit as well. Because I don't know what Enrique would have done to deserve that reaction. I hope he gets some Massimo Madoka treatment. Yeah, that would be good. we love Enrique. We do. Alright, so injury concerns for the Raw. We mentioned this in the first segment. Christensen and Hingett both came off. They were talking on Fox that it was just a little bit of cramp. So presumably we'll find out when the squads come out on Thursday that uh, if they're able to go or not. Well, I mean, hopefully they are able to go because at right back in particular with Hingett, there's limited cover as well. I mean, and I do think they're probably a precaution, particularly with Christensen. I mean, he was out with a hamstring injury for a week there, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's just last five minutes to take him off. Yeah, no, I think the, uh, the I think the hope would be Jack Hingott, you know, yeah. is, is fitting right because that's uh, 
like I said, as Scott just said, you know, we are very, very thin at the back as far as recognised right backs. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, Christensen, not so bad. We can cover him. Look, Jacob Pepper had a good game a couple of weeks ago. Did he? Yeah, apparently he did. <laughs> so, so he, he'd be good for, for Christensen if he's not right. But, yeah, let's, you know, fingers crossed Jack Hingard is, is fit and go because that, that's a big, big out if he's not. And just on that right back depth, Adam's point, I mean, I mean, Daniel Bowles is the most logical. Maybe Jacob Pepper, but the right back of the youth league, Mark Rodich, is not playing at the moment. They're using Daningham as kind of an attack-minded winger type fullback, so I don't think that'd work. So and I suppose you couldn't really, really bring in Conor options. O'Toole or something. I think he's all left foot, so I mean, that's fair enough. All right, so which role player do you think really needs to step up and have a good game on Sunday? Tommy Orr. I do. I mean, I think Tommy Orr. He's due. If he's going to need to see more from Tommy Orr, I think so. But also, I think Jamie McLaren. I think he's key to it all. You know, like I said, we we keep on banging on that. Yeah, you know, he is. He is you know, crucial to the side, and you know, he needs to be scoring goals. You know, that's because that's one thing that we're while we're drawing what you know scoring one goal game's not enough. We no. need to be scoring more than that. So, and for me, it's actually going to be Jade North because I think he would have had a very very long eight days by the time the game kicks off. How is he going to be mentally? Because he would have gotten a lot of heckling and whatnot throughout the week. How is he going to respond to that sort of, I suppose, criticism? It's a home game, so there shouldn't be too much verbal from the crowd. But he's an experienced senior player. You expect him to be able to handle it. Hopefully, anyway. That's right. So, which Adelaide player are we worried about? I'm going to grab Enrique before oh, you <laughs> before you two I'm do I'm not it. answering it then. Because he got two phenomenal goals on the weekend. Yeah. He's getting back to his best, isn't he? He's coming back from a knee injury, and there we go. No, I think for me, for me I, as we always talk about Adelaide, I think as much as uh, we'd say Jamie McLaren is you know, the sort of key to the Roar, I think much like Ruska is the key to Adelaide. I think he, with his good form, Adelaide, you know, prosper. And I think you know, he, they shut him down, you shut Adelaide down. I'm with James. And Enrique I suppose one other player would be Sergi Guardiola because yeah. if he actually you know can get in behind the Raw's defence, he's going to be a handful for it. And if that Mili Uznich does play again off the bench, he was a real handful for the Raw in Adelaide a month ago, so he could be another X Factor again. I'm just thinking, so was it basically a month ago? First yeah. weekend in November, we played Melbourne City, and then second week uh, was yeah. in Adelaide. Yeah. Now it's the reverse of that. So and still haven't played Wellington yet. Go figure. Yeah, well, we'll get onto A League scheduling quirks <laughs> in a show where we don't, where we're not trying yeah. to get it under an hour. So, A-League fixtures. Sydney FC, Melbourne City, Friday night at ANZ Stadium. That's going to be a very That'll good game. That'll be a really big game, yeah. Purely because Sydney FC could go nine points clear at the top of the table. Yeah, that, that is almost reaching out for the Premiership at that point. I know it's early, but if you're nine points clear with ten games played, and in the form they're in, I mean... They haven't lost yet. And I think Sydney FC will be looking for revenge as much as you can call it yeah. that, given that you know these two sides you know, met in the FFA Cup, you know... Only only ten days ago, well, it was last week. So. Yeah, ten days by the time they played. Yeah, and apparently this game has been moved because of the Coldplay concert at Allianz. So, and another game that's been moved for the Coldplay concerts is Wellington against the Central Coast Mariners, which is now being played at Hamilton. Yes, they're doing a full returfing of the Westpac Stadium over there. Okay. So, and also, if you're hearing the air conditioning buzzing in the background, it is really freaking hot in this studio. So we're just okay. Scott's going to yeah, turn we're turning it down, but we apologize. yeah, it's it's hot, all right. Yeah, we're in Brisbane. It's December. It's hot. Okay, so uh, Wellington Central Coast, another game that's been shifted. That's the start of a Saturday triple header. You've got West Sydney Melbourne victory as a feature game, and then Perth against Newcastle at the late game. Of course, another game in Perth. Go figure. And then Sunday is, of course, the Raw versus Adelaide. So we're going to get into our prediction segment. That game is a double header as well for people as well. The W double, League. That's double right. League double header. And it is also free for kids to attend as well. Yeah. So hopefully people are a big crowd in attendance. What time does the W League kick off at Suncorp? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it's 1.30 if history's anything one, to go by. Uh, probably 1.30, yeah. So if you've got nothing to do Sunday afternoon, show up early, yeah. get to the game, support the W League, because 
It's a as good product. I can, I, can I can tell you, and it's one of my big gripes at the moment at the FFA, is that they've got to start streaming these games. So that was a cracking game on, on Sunday for, for, for women. And, then, and there's, it's having the 2pm the 2 game, luckily Bristol Raw are on TV this week, but having that game not on TV and just on highlight is, is, a, is a travesty in my opinion. So, look, it's a good product. Get out there and support it. All right, so anyway, our predictions from around the A-League. I'm going to go first and say there's going to be two red cards in the Sydney FC-Melbourne City game because Sydney, uh, Melbourne City are really playing the competition bad guys and really lo li loving living up to it. I'm going to go with the traditional, every time a coach is sacked, there's a reaction. So I'm going to say Wellington will beat Central Coast Mariners. I mean, and we should talk about Ernie Merrick, who's no longer manager of Wellington Phoenix. He has resigned. He'll be back. He is the winningest coach in A-League. Or is it first, is coach, first coach to reach 100, 100 wins. Yeah. So, good for him. He'll be back, and all the best for Ernie for the time being. Okay. I'm not going to do a Scottish accent, because I think that might just get me slapped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, West Sydney and Melbourne Victory uh, Saturday night at ANZ Stadium as well, in the big house there. It'll be interesting to see what sort of crowds, you know, both both uh, the Sydney FC game and the West Sydney game get at ANZ Stadium. So, And is so, the yeah. story going to be on the field or off the field? That's the that other. Game? It's always, always the you know, subplot as far as when those two teams means that. Know, whether the active supporters will play up. I really hope not. We're on a bit of a good run at the moment, so let's see if we can keep that going. Let's finish off with our predictions for the Brisbane Royal game. You are not allowed to say 1-1. One, one. Oh. <laughs> I'm saying it, but I'm telling you, it's going to be an old one-all until it doesn't happen. Oh, please, no. That's gonna... I've said it for the last two weeks. I'm sticking with it until it doesn't happen. If, one it is, if it is 1-1 one, one and you're at the stadium, please come and help out with the fan camps because I think <laughs> there's going to be a lot of apathetic fans if they yep. go, another 1-1? One, one? All right, so Adam, what's your pick? I think 1-0 Raw. I'm going to go 2-1 Raw. I am sticking with the one all. I'm not the Smith around. I'm sticking with that. <laughs> I think these two sides are going to cancel each other out. Adelaide's improving. Brisbane's Staggers. not playing at their best yeah. at the moment. I think it'll be a one all. I think it'll be one of those games where I think it's going to be one moment that's going to, one moment of oh, brilliant stupidity that's going to decide this game. Just, it just please let the, it be brilliant. Yeah, yeah it please. just has the, has the boot in the makings of that, of that sort of game. They're both sides, you know, sort of not best of form. So, mm. yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, it'll be one moment that's going to decide it all. All right, and that's going to do it for episode 10 of the Brisbane Football Review, the Charlie Miller special. We had a massive run sheet to get through. Well, it was supersized. Yeah, and we did get through everything. So that's it for this week, guys. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you very see much. See you again, James. See you on Sunday. Yeah, and we'll see everyone. Oh, everyone will hear us next Wednesday on the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years. Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.